friends. Happy Saturday. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be with you today. We have got a great show. It is day 10 of the 2021 Christmas party. So we've just got a couple more episodes in our 12 days in a row of Christmas episodes. Imagine that we're all just still like mingling around at this lovely party. Nobody wants to leave because we're having such a good time chatting with our friends, eating some great stuff, talking to dear friends. Don't miss the earlier episodes of our 12 days. They are so good and definitely doing the trick of getting me in that Christmas spirit. The soundtrack of our party is Little Drummer Boy from For King and Country. It's from their album, A Drummer Boy Christmas. It's so good. Be sure to check it out. Today on the show, I get to talk with some dear friends, Jeff and Alyssa Bethke. They've been on the pod before, but they've been busy since then, both releasing books this year and, you know, doing the rest of their life too. Alyssa released Satisfied, Finding Hope, Joy, and Contentment right where you are. And Jeff's new one is called Take Back Your Family. They're parents, bloggers, YouTubers, and hosts of the Real Life Podcast. They're the friends at the party. They're going to pull everyone into a conversation and ask all the good questions So here's my conversation with Jeff and Alyssa Bethke. When guys grow out their facial hair, how old are you when you figure out what your face does and doesn't do? You know, I'm a bad person to ask because I think I was 30 or one or 29 (laughs) when I was like, oh, I have a little bit more than fuzz now. I was a late bloomer, but I think that's probably like an early college thing where you start seeing that awkward, like, oh yeah, they can really grow it or it starts looking very uh, inappropriate. But even <laughs> in your own face, are you like, huh, it's, there's no hair on that part? Or are you like, oh wow, I have a beard. I've literally sat and stared at the mirror and I'm like, why does a gap exist there? Like, why is there some <laughs> physiological response where this has hair and then I have a weird gap? So if anyone's listening and you're like a beard beardologist... I would love to hear from you. Yeah. Well, lucky for you, we have a lot of beardologists in the audience. <laughs> what are you going to say? I said, do you gain status as a man if you can grow like a full beard? Yeah, that's definitely street that cred. Thing? If you can actually show yeah. that like, like, like Johnny over there, like yeah. Johnny over there is like that street cred beard. So, but when does street cred start mattering? Like fifth grade or like college? That would be a fascinating question to survey, man. I would say college. That's what I would say. Your brain is so Barna-shaped. You're like, uh, let's survey everybody. Let's ask about the gospel and beards. I would love to see the poll and the data and the sample size. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just get Barna right on that. A, they've got tons of time. They're not working on anything more important than what what age men start feeling insecure about their facial hair. They have a beard all the That's right. Um, You guys, welcome back to That Sounds Fun. I'm so glad you're here for the Christmas party. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Oh, this is so fun. We're so sorry. I feel like have we done a Christmas one before with you? Was it actual Christmas or a couple years ago? No, we or just what? talked about Christmas, but it was not technically on that. Now, we've done couples. Let's just run through how many times y'all been on the show. Y'all are VIPs. Uh, episode 56, which is long time ago, back in 2017. It was wow, I was 17 years old. Both of you. <laughs> and then both of you were on in 2019. And then, Jeff, you were back at the end of 2019. So Man. that is how it's been. What is the been. best show? And you're the best. And we mm-hmm. love what you're doing out in this space. So thank you. You're mm-hmm. kind. Uh, okay. Maui and Vermont. You have two homes. Go. This is the update. You now own place in Vermont. That sounded way bougier than it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> we live in Maui. Uh, which also sounds, you know, it's still a real life, real life, by the way. I didn't need to say that. There's a disclaimer that when you say that, it's like, there is sin here. Genesis yeah. <laughs> 3, Genesis 3 made it here, just to let people know that. Um, and then, yes, we have, uh, we have some mentors and partners of ours that we really care about hospitality. So, so, so we have leaned in pretty heavily to that the last couple of years. And so, yeah, we, we are part owners of a 500 acre farm in Vermont called OQ Farm. And it's massive. Eight buildings. We do weddings there, retreats there. Families can stay there for, in just one of the homes. It's super fun and we love it. So yes, live in Maui and we go to Vermont a lot for that. Talk to me about getting on a plane in Maui and getting off in Vermont. 19 layovers? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just say those people that have private jets, I get it. <laughs> like that. You're finally like, I understand. No, I know. Private, no we can't. We can't say that publicly. Private jets are sinful. Never do a GoFundMe. They're not, for- guys. <laughs> if you can do it, it's the way to go. Well, we definitely can't do it. We can't so we do are it. going. That we are going. That would be fun. Yes, we go to Vermont in Delta 37A. Yes. Is we go to Vermont. And, um, and it takes two days. Yeah, so this is actually fascinating. Like, crazy to be yeah. in the same country. It's a random thing. But, like, you can go from Vermont to London and back 
before it takes us to get from Maui to Vermont because it's a it's like a six to seven hour flight depending on the wind to like the west coast mm -hmm. then you get on another flight on the west coast Seattle or LA that's usually a five or six hour flight then to Boston and then the farm is so rural it's a two and a half hour drive from Boston okay so you just go to Logan you fly into Logan and then you drive from there yeah because I was picturing like east coast to tiny airport to tiny airport to yeah, front yeah, yeah. Oh. the little like the little prop plane that um what's that movie with ryan reynolds and sandra bullock it's not on the east coast but it's in alaska uh, uh, uh the proposal, proposal. But yeah, proposal. Like that little prop yeah. plane they take out to alaska yeah, no. and they kind of just like zip out in this little two-seater yeah so that's I what thought you you're do. doing i thought y'all are private planing at this point <laughs> <laughs> never but i mean never. wisdom would say keep a car at the airport or something right like there's got yeah, you wisdom does say yeah. That. yes we're not wise but wisdom would say that <laughs> yeah I would imagine, y'all, in the future, there will be a time where there will be a Bethke vehicle or a farm vehicle at the airport. Yeah. We're trying. To get back We're in. trying. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, you'll have to visit. It's, it's actually a really fun, special place. I have never been to Vermont, and I am dying. I mean, uh, Lissa, tell me about the fall in Vermont. Did you get to see it? Oh, I, yes. <laughs> ask the white, well, I ask the white girl about the fall vibes in Vermont. <laughs> okay. You, are you a Gilmore Girl fan? Uh, to the death, Yes. Yeah, okay. we are. It is like literally there's a town outside of it where we go. That is where they probably did the like overhead shot of Gilmore Girls. So yeah. it is the, at the start with the little church. Yes. Yes. It is yep. the quaintest, cutest town I've ever been in been in. Mm -hmm. And um it's just beautiful. So when beautiful. I went though, the leaves weren't fully it's like you only get like what? A you have week? like you have like seven or eight days to time it and it's max like what do they call it? Uh leaf season or whatever but yeah it's like you have like seven yeah, or eight peak, days is it peak leaf yeah peak leaf season mm -hmm. and it's like eight mm -hmm. nine days so you got so like it. right before it which was still beautiful but yeah. you were weren't you there yeah the peak? me and me and john tyson we actually yeah. were there uh for a retreat during that time for our art of teaching stuff and it's it's actually uh, maui's epic but i will say the north upper northeast when leaves are changing colors mm -hmm. is can be can compete for the mount rushmore of prettiest places in the u.s yeah i have a funny question about vermont are you experiencing any of the like spiritual life of that that part of the country just has such a different spiritual life than the south or even than the west coast are y'all experiencing any of that yeah well i think what it, it reminds us a lot of where we were born and raised was like seattle area so because the more you go up the, you know, there's the West Coast in general, but I definitely think California has its own culture. Mm -hmm. Once you get up, the, I, I would consider the Upper West and the Upper Northeast, uh, Upper Northwest, Upper Northeast, actually very similar spiritual climates. With the Upper Northeast, statistically, sorry, I'm jumping in my Barna side again. Come on. Uh, being, being the least church. So even if they go like one step farther very... than Portland and Seattle. <gasps> yeah. uh, the Northeast is one step further yeah. post-Christian yeah, Mm -hmm. From the northwest, like proven. yeah, yeah, the the, the yeah. actual amount of church wow. attendance and all that stuff. Yeah, I was actually really surprised because I had grown up in Seattle, and I feel like I didn't know anything was more than Seattle. So yeah, yeah. So anyone listening who's doing work out there, you are we amazing, and you. you're trenching it out, and we yeah. need you. Mm -hmm. I yeah. did a speaking event in Maine a couple of years ago, and I remember after we got after I got off the stage, I thought. I've gone to a lot of cities and seen a lot of people who get to go to a lot of conferences. And then you come up here and they are starving. Yes. They're starving. Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of their yeah, only, totally. they don't, they don't, yes. It's it's a totally different culture doing stuff in the South mm -hmm. where they're like, oh, do I want to go see Taylor Swift on Sunday or do I want to see Sean Mendez on Tuesday? And it's the same thing with like religious stuff. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, do you want to go see, you know, yeah, do you want to go to IFCA on Monday or do you want to go to the Church on Tuesday? Yes. And it's like, but yeah, the Upper Northeast, it's like they don't, they get one thing a year, you know, yeah. and so yeah. a, that's a fascinating dynamic. How'd y'all end up with the farm in Vermont? Did your partners already own it? Was it like already in their yeah. lives? Okay. They, they had owned it for like 20 years and I had gone there just for a long time uh, as a friend. And then she, she actually didn't even come until just recently this last mm -hmm. year. And I was just like, babe, this place is amazing. We love it. And so yeah, long story short, we had some conversations with them and they wanted to take it to a level of hospitality that they just, uh, that, that maybe wasn't, that they fully couldn't by themselves. And so we jumped in with them and it's been really fun. It's a special place. It's just, yeah, oqfarm.co. People can just go check out pictures yeah. and check out the snow and the leaves. It's fun. And there's horses, alpacas, sheep, all that stuff. And y'all are doing a hospitality thing, kind of a new compound in Maui as well, right? From when I was Yeah, exactly. Yeah. thing out here, except out here is a little bit more sluggish, meaning we got to like still in the permit process and all that. But yeah. yes, exact same thing out here. We have a couple acres and yeah, we took a big bet this last year. I mean, it's not, you know, I think some people can think some of that stuff's like, oh, you know, you're so, you know, I don't know, well off or privileged, but it's like, man, we took some serious risk and debt. Like these are, these are business moves. These are like, we're putting like, we're putting it all on the line. Like we're putting, you know, we're pulling out equity and we're putting cash as, you know, homes on the homes on the table and stuff like that to, to be taken by the bank if it doesn't go well. So um, I just I find that a fascinating part of the conversation, but we love it and we want to, which is also like a side conversation on dreams in general. Like, you know, it, if you feel like the Lord's called you to it, 
uh, then make, then make a t- take a jump, you know, jump in in faith, jump in in risk. And if it doesn't go well, that doesn't mean the Lord didn't call you to it. That That's just right. means maybe it failed. That's right. <laughs> maybe you wanted to learn something, maybe whatever. Man, know? I wish there was a direct uh, line between trying and succeeding. <laughs> there just isn't. Yeah. No. <laughs> even on our no. best days, even even if you've had the longest quiet time you've ever had and you fasted and prayed longer and you've been Sabbathing like a pro, you could still try and fail and that is still God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus is the perfect example. I mean, that dude yeah. <laughs> never messed up and then died a horrible, brutal death. Yes. And was hated by people and wanted to get killed before that and was going to be shoved off the cliff in that one story. Like, it's just, yeah, that's, there's like, you know, turmoil, sweating blood. Like, yeah, it's, it, it, it's not one-to-one and it never is, which is fascinating. This is the oldest quote in the world, but I saw it like Matt Damon's on a commercial saying it or something. And he says, fortune favors the brave. Mm. And I have really been thinking about it because I I want y'all to respond to that quote as well. My big response has been, I think it depends on how you define fortune. Mm. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yes. I'd love to hear what you think. I think one thing, I'm going to use this as a metaphor because I don't want to talk about just physical money, but I am into some of these, you know, I read a lot about with family and inheritance and, you know, business and stuff like that. So I'm using it as a metaphor, but statistically, most of the wealthiest people in the world have gone like bankrupt like four times. So it's like now normal people, when a normal person starts thinking about the possibility of them going bankrupt, they act like they are like undone. They act like their life is over, which at some level, like it, it, there is a level which that's hard. I'm just saying even identity-wise, like I I can't be the person that goes bankrupt. I'll never recover. Right. right. Yes. Right. Yeah, I'll never recover from that. The, the, the rich people are like, that's Tuesday. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's a fascinating thing that no one talks about. Like the, the wealthiest people, just because they, they're willing to push that line on bets and hedge and risk that makes them go bankrupt or makes them make a lot of money. I think that's a metaphor. Chris for, Rock says you always lose your first money. Exactly, exactly. And so I think that's a good metaphor for a faith and risk in general that the Lord calls us to. I do think it's a little bit of like, we have so much passive faith in the, in the American church. And so we wonder why God doesn't show up. And it's like, you're not, you're not putting yourself in any position where, he even has to act where he even has to show up, you know? And so I don't know, but how would you respond to that? Yeah. Well, it just made me think immediately when you said that I was um, not thinking fortune physically, but like blessing. the blessing. And, and I think health. the Lord, you know, the Lord talks about um, there's so much blessing when you follow him. And I think he doesn't want us to be timid people He or yeah. scared or fearful or, you know, like he wants us to be brave people. Even if you think about the people you're most, um, like the saints or the people inspired you most look up to, the most inspired, your heroes. You don't say like, wow, they were so cautious. I want to be just like them. You know, <laughs> right. like they were passionate people. They like yeah. took risks. They, and they like, they may have failed. They would may have like been turned by the world, but they knew the blessing of the Lord and yeah. that he was their everything. And so um, I think even in a, like a Christian spiritual context, that is so true. Like, yeah. and the Lord blesses his children. Amen. Our biggest blessing is that we get him. He's our inheritance. And so. He's our fortune. <laughs> put, fortune. Put that on a cup. <laughs> put that on a cup. Where's that mug? <laughs> Merch. Merch coming out next week. Merch.com. It's coming. Um, I would like, we had Mike Todd on a couple of months ago talking about his book, Crazy Faith. It is. Have y'all read it yet? I have parts of it. I haven't gotten through it yet, but he's, he's It amazing. is. It is something else. Talk to me about what you've experienced in the last year with all this and the other things. I mean, the art of teaching, the Lego stuff. I mean, we're going to talk about all of it, but but talk about what faith really looks like for y'all versus you said, I think you said the Western church, the American church has a casual faith. Is that what you said? Yeah, really passive. For some reason, the first thing I thought of when, when you said that is probably the most that our faith has been stretched in the last couple of years is we had a really horrible business partnership go pretty sour a couple of years ago. Um, and, and, talk you know, about failure. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, there's, I'm a big fan of like, there's always, uh, something to blame for both sides in this, in this, but this one was definitely like where the, the person just like got, is got crazy, just like literally got crazy. And I think everyone would admit that. But anyways, um, what was interesting about that is that was a big thing of faith because we were very yoked to him and a lot of our stuff was very yoked to him. And I, that made me really nervous. This is actually a sign of where Alyssa is way more faithful than me and way more spirit-led than me. I was like, man, I just can go practical pretty easily and not lean into this stuff as heavily. And Alyssa basically, you know, like if we were to, like, it was actually our move. Like we saw this and we were saying like, man, we don't feel good about this anymore. We don't feel good about the decisions you're making, the trajectory you're putting your life on. And like, just, you know, kind of walking away from everything that, you know, you've built for 20 years in regards to faith, people, et cetera. So 
we're like, well, do we just, you know, you kind of have that classic temptation of like, well, can we just kind of sweep it under the rug and just still do our life? And I was, you know, kind of thinking about all that. And then Alyssa just came down hard. She was like, I prayed about it. The Lord said to divorce, like separate. I had a dream and like, it was, it was vivid. It was exact. And so like, we're doing it. And then I just immediately saw the amount of dollars in our head that like we were, it was going to leave. Like, you know, and, and it got actually really bad. It got really traumatic financially, emotionally, spiritually. Um, but we, but there was a resoluteness that she had the, of the faith part that like, it was, you know, there was like an anchor to the moment. Like that's, we made the right call and that's just what the Lord said. And that's all that matters. So I don't know if you want to talk about that or a different example, but I feel like that to me is the first one I thought of, of like when faith going from active to passive is, I mean, sorry, from passive to active is usually when it's going to cost you something in anything, you know, emotional, spiritual, whatever. Are you willing to make that call even when it's going to cost you something? And we've had to make that call. And I wasn't probably, I probably wouldn't have made that call single. So I'm thankful for her. <laughs> Man, I feel like I'm learning so much about faith. I think, um, I think it's a really sweet thing that the Lord, you know, that uh, story in the Bible where I can't even think of it right now, but in the New Testament where he's like, Lord, give me the faith to believe. Because yeah. I think on help, our help own, my help, yeah. my, help my unbelief. Yeah. <laughs> on our own, we don't have faith. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, some people I feel like are like their gift is faith. They have way more faith than I do. But we can ask the Lord, like, Lord, give me faith. And I'm realizing more and more that this life on this side of the earth or this side of heaven, we like, it is by faith. Mm. We walk by faith. We don't, there's so much that we don't know. There's so much we don't see. And so we have to walk by faith. And, but it's not like it's just like this, you know, worldly, like, um, with your eyes closed, you just jump off blind. It's yeah. like, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God. We have community. We have mentors. There are like things set in place for yeah. us to take those actions of faith. And I think for me, when I know that I know that I know the Lord is telling me to do something, it's like, I know I'll be disobedient if I don't do it. And so it's yeah. like, I'll, I'm going to act in faith and I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I know that there's I'm obeying the Lord and I'm staying close to him. And so it's worth it. And I think with that business transaction that happened, the thing that I learned the most was that when you obey the Lord in faith, he is so faithful to take care of you, like to be your hiding place to, even when it feels like people are putting your name down, you're misunderstood. Um, there's things said about you that aren't true, but it's like, you can't defend yourself. It's like, that's okay. Cause the Lord fights for me. The Lord knows who I am in my own heart. And so just that, like, we learned a lot about the Lord, like really hiding in the Lord and letting him fight for us. Like, Mm. not that you're cowardly, but that you don't have to to defend yourself. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And to do the right thing because he's asking you to. Um, Mm. And then we really realized that he like, and I don't know if it happens like this all the time, but he like blessed that, you Mm -hmm. know, in ways spiritually in our characters, um, in relationships, yep. but also financially, it was a yeah. huge risk. And yet he provided in these crazy ways. And it's not that we obeyed because of that. Yeah. It was just like this added blessing where it was like, okay, Lord, we really see that all this is yours yeah. and you give and, um, you take away. And so, yeah, it really built our faith. Yeah. But yeah, I already purchased the art of teaching, uh, series, but it's not available you to did. me yet comes in January. You can go check the receipts. I really already paid for it. Two weeks away. Two weeks away. I can't wait. I'm dying. I mean, you in the, you in the comments of people being like, I bought it, but I don't have it yet. You're like, I said it in the caption. I know. I'm like, guys. in the video. Yes. Um, I mean, you know, it's like internet people don't read. Internet people don't read. I don't read. So I get it. I have empathy, but I'm like, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's actually exciting because it shows people are really excited That's for right. it. And I'm stoked because I get to work with, you know, two of my favorite like mentors and preachers and teachers. Yeah, I well, can't that wait. Was fire. Yeah, yeah, the trailer oh, was sick. It was unreal. So I don't have, I don't have the content yet. So I'm going to let y'all, I'm going to get a sneak peek of it right here. Because you talked about, Alyssa, you talked about how you had a dream and y'all made some decisions based on that dream. And I am teaching next Sunday at Crosspoint about Joseph. And, and the courage of Joseph, because twice he literally woke up from a dream and changed their course of their life. Yeah. Talk about his courage, his faith. Give me, give me some nuggets that I, and it's a Christmas episode. So let's talk about Jesus's, what is he? Jesus's stepdad? No. Is he, is he Jesus's? I don't know. Jesus's earthly father. Yes, maybe. Yes. But I just think that I think we under discuss how, Joseph 
just heard God and obeyed. Yeah. Which first of all, <laughs> I've never heard him called the stepdad, but it's kind of true. <laughs> right. <laughs> he married Jesus' mom. <laughs> yes. No, but it makes total sense. I love that. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the, that's the hope of Advent, right? Is that the hope of Advent is that God is ushering into darkness to bring light. And I think dreams are such a fascinating metaphor for that because that's literally the like, it's like dark, it's like you're sleeping. It's kind of this, it's like this metaphorical darkness and God's like bursting through with light, which would be a dream, right? Imagination, story. I love too, by the way, the thing I love about dreams is that God, it shows God speaks through story. God doesn't yeah. speak through facts. God speaks yes. through stories. Facts are always um, in the vessel of story. Like, um, but I, I find that very fascinating. And so, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is, is God speaks and he ushers and he moves. The thing I love about the dream thing, and you even hear this now, you know, you know, being very prominent in like the Middle Eastern church right now is to me, I do feel like there's a level at which now I'm talking about the macro, but like there's a level at which kind of the dreams are like the people that are having those, that kind of like experience with the Lord. It, uh, it does seem to see, it's feel like a front line of some type of battle. Mm -hmm. Meaning like when they show up in scripture, when they show up macroly, I mean, of course, we, you know, everyone even in the U.S. has them, but like where you're hearing the massive stories of like Jesus is primarily revealing himself through dreams. People are saying in like Iran, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia, stuff like that. I feel like there's a frontline aspect to that. I feel like that's almost like kind of one of his primary like frontline warfare weapons. Um, and I find that a fascinating way to think about it. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Simplified and their Simplified Planner. Y'all remember my BFF, Emily Lay. She's been a guest on the pod a couple of times. Well, she's created the Simplified Planner when she was young, busy, overwhelmed, and a mom. She needed somewhere to write out her thoughts and her to-dos just to help her keep it all together. Simplified's mission is to equip and inspire women with the tools that they need to simplify their lives and their cornerstone product is the Simplified Planner. Get everything out of your head and onto paper so you can spend more time focusing on the things that matter. Does my whole entire team have simplified planners ready to use for the new year? Well, technically no, the guys don't, but all the gals on the team do. But the guys can have one if you want, Johnny. Maybe, okay. All the gals have them. In fact, we were just talking about how we can't wait for the new year to get started in our fresh new planners. 2022 editions are available now. If you're not a paper planner person, how do you do your life, but you do you. Simplified also has tons of other beautiful products that help you simplify your life too. Notepads, baby books, art prints, journals, and more. Just go to emilylay.co slash that sounds fun and use the code that sounds fun one five for 15% off your order. Again, that's E-M-I-L-Y-L-E-Y.co slash that sounds fun and use the code that sounds fun one five for 15% off your order. Get your simplified planner so we can be 20s. Hi, I'm Bill Haslam, the author of Faithful Presence. My favorite Christmas song is the best Christmas song, What Child Is This? And now back to our conversation with Jeff and Alyssa. How do we know when we've had a dream? If, <laughs> or just bad dinner. Yeah. How do you know? How do you know if you move your whole family to Egypt like Joseph did? How do you know if the dream is from God in such a way that you should shape your life around it? And how do you know when it's what that little cricket says, a dream is a wish your heart makes? How well, do you know? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, Alyssa's enrolled in seminary and I'm a no. seminary dropout. So she's going to answer that one. You're going to answer that too. I haven't started yet. She's about to, she's about to get her um, master's and I'm, I, I went for like five days. <laughs> <laughs> so... How would you answer that? Um, well, I feel like I'm starting to really step into like learning about dreams and hearing mm -hmm. the Lord's voice. That's language that I wasn't taught growing up, even though I grew up in the church and went to Bible school. Truth be told, I don't, I have dreams, but I don't feel like it's like every night. Yeah, I have a friend who like almost every like night, she's like the Lord is speaking through her through dreams. And I've realized that the more I have less distractions, like not really watching TV at night, not really on my phone before I go to bed. The more I'm like talking to the Lord throughout the day, the more I am dreaming, mm. which is really fascinating. In to like me. a, you're I'm always dreaming like, about no. in a spiritual way or professional. I like yeah, actually, yeah. yeah, I feel like the, like I can hear, I'm just more awake to hear the yeah. Lord. Like my soul is awake. But anyway, the dreams, I feel like the things for me that I'm like, okay, I think this is from the Lord is one when I wake up and I remember it. Cause there's a lot of times I'm like, I know I was just dreaming, but like it's out. Like I don't remember a thing. If I remember it, and then if it like goes along with the Lord's heart, 
and if I like can't forget it. Like mm. I had a dream a couple years ago that I literally think about every day because I think it's been like I'm still kind of living it out. Or it still hasn't been realized yet. It's yeah, been yeah, realized, but it was like oh, yeah. a three-part yeah. dream. And so it's like I'm kind of like still living it. And there's like months that I was like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Like, what does this mean? But it feels like this is from you. Yeah. And so it's just like the more I like brought it before the Lord, the more I was like curious and asking and had other people I was like sharing it with. I'm like, does this sound totally crazy? Or is this yeah, like... You're, you're checking it with friends, community, yes. and the scripture. Um, and yeah. then there would be things that would happen that I was like, and it would be, I felt like the Lord was like, this is it. This is your time for that. Like, this is the dream. And obviously dreams, um, you know, John Mark has like a little ebook that he, I don't know. I, I got it in my email. He talked about dreams. I think yeah. it was dreams like that, but also dreams like the dreams that you have for your life, like desires of your heart, you know, but it's always going to be different than what you think. Like you only get a little picture of it. It's always going to be a lot harder than you think. Yes. Um, it's always going to take a lot longer than you think. And then there was, it's always going to be a lot better than you think. Mm. And so um, and if it checks all those boxes. Then it was probably from the Lord. It was probably yeah. from the Lord. Yeah. yeah. And so those are just, I don't, I'm not like, I feel yeah. like I have so much to learn in that area, but those are some nuggets that I've just been like seeking the Lord with. I'm like, okay, yeah. I feel like this is lining up too. Yeah. Um, well, and I think it's just like in the scriptures too. It's one thing that we, we are so averse to doing in the West is, we individualize so quickly. Mm -hmm. So it's like all of all of those things that show up in scripture are for a community. Yeah. Even if it's an individual who's asked to obey, it's to affect and ripple into a community. Yeah. So I just feel like that's something that we like yeah. check it with community, you know, um, submit it to community, submit it to the scriptures, kind of have these, these checks and balances on your own kind of wiring in the way that the Lord speaks or else it can kind of become deformed, right? And so the dream- So quick. So yes, quick. exactly. Yes, and, and, and the dream prophetic nature side of things would be, a, a, you know, in the more charismatic camp, which we are, you know, I have a friend who says, uh, it's it funny where he says, you know, I, and I would agree with him, I'm charismatic by theology, not by personality. And I would agree with that. Meaning like, I'm not charismatic by personality. I'm like, that's weird. I'm Just not about logical. that. I don't want to do with any of that. If I see a flag, I'm running. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> If the trumpet comes out, I'm definitely leaving. But um, but <laughs> but I think there's a level at which those gifts are clear in Scripture. Now, now how they get used is a different conversation and expression. But so I'm charismatic by theology, which makes me a little uncomfortable in it. But what I was going to say with that is then, yeah, but you see plenty of those spheres that just are ridiculous with it, like ridiculous. And you're like, that's just like every denomination has kind of the, the either you're overly hardened in the reform circle, but I know amazing reform people, right? You're just in, you know, ASS for lack of a better term. I spelled it. I didn't say it, you know, over here, but, but I know I have a ton of amazing reformed friends that are not like that. I got charismatic people that teach me a ton about God and the spirit and talking and communicating with him in that way. And then I just know some crazies where I'm like, yeah. you're weird. <laughs> so it's like, you can, you can find, you can find that anywhere. Right. Yeah. So um, what I'm saying with that though, is I think checking it, all of that is, is checking it through uh, outside of just individualization, just kind of outside mm -hmm. of yourself. If it's not, then it can quickly get deformed. Well, also in my own brain, when I, I've, I've probably in my, I think history helps too. I've been a Christian most of my life. I've probably had five dreams that I really felt like were from God of the thousands of, I mean, how many, I've probably slept 16,000 nights <laughs> and five of them, yeah. I can say, I think God was trying to say something to me. And I almost immediately tell someone because otherwise it even morphs in my own head of like, were there four people there? Or were there three people there? Or was this, you know? And so I, it's one of the blessings of Marco Polo is I almost, I real quick will pick up and go to my, and I'll, I'll send it to my mentor. I, I had, two, I mean, literally five in my life and I had two this summer. It's like, help me and process this. Yeah. Yes. What does this actually mean? Does it mean what it technically means? Or, you know, what are we waiting on? What do we pray? If this is from God, what do we do? Um, so who do you think Joseph ran stuff by then? Do you think when he dreamed about Egypt, he ran it by his community? I would think so. Yeah, that well, was Well, I just tough. was thinking of Joseph in the Old Testament. He like immediately told his brothers and they were like, dude, <laughs> like you're <laughs> right. Well, that's a really good, no, that's a valid point. Old Testament Joseph, New Testament yeah. Joseph, that there is going to be times where it feels... And man, that, that's a sticky one to, mm -hmm. to pull apart. Mm -hmm. There's going to be times at which it feels disobedient to the community. There's going to be times in which it feels, man, that's a little bit of just having to have that Martin Luther spirit of like, if you have checked it to the absolute last T and dotted the last I and done your due diligence and you still feel soft in your heart, you're not hardened, blah, blah, blah. Then just like, you know, here I stand, I can do no other, you know, as the classic Martin Luther line. So that's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
I've got two people that I say to them, I'm going to tell you the craziest stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if I don't say it out loud, then we can't go back in five years and say, you you knew God was doing that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You right. knew that was God. Because if I don't say it out loud because I'm scared, I sound too crazy. I'm not putting it on here. I'd tell you all if we weren't recording, but I'm not putting it on here, right? <laughs> but right. you've got to have yeah. people that you can go like, if I'm going to actually be full of faith and believe some wild things, I have to tell, I have to have people that will not hold my reputation in front of me and determine my ability to hear God based on how this situation goes. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. And two, this kind of gets into the more mathematical side or the logical side of like, just, just statistically, it's like, like you're going to interpret it wrong sometimes yeah. oh, or, yeah. or like totally. you're going to get it wrong. Like, and to, to, to have the expectation that that's actually going to happen relieves so many different things. Because if you have that, if you have that high bar of perfection of every time I have a dream and I know it's of the Lord and then I do this and I follow and I obey and then it goes horribly wrong, then you're going to be massively cognitive dissonant of like what just happened. Mm -hmm. Is he real? Does he speak? Whatever. But if you have the expectation of just like, I'm a human trying to become more into the image of Jesus. Until I reach there, I'm not perfect, which means I might bat 200. I might bat 300. I might bat 400. But that clearly is going to mean I'm going to miss a certain amount. That's just part of the process. And I'll count the chips at the end of time. That actually, you like, you don't start doing the weird question game with God and voice and all that stuff as much, you know? That's one of the scarier things if we're not careful about prayer and listening to God is that very quickly you go from, I believe God for everything to I'm not sure he's even real. Yeah. And yes. it's like, whoa, that is a swing, but it yeah. happens a lot because that's exactly what you're doing. It's yeah. happened eight <laughs> times in my life. No question. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And what it's showing actually, I think underneath that is a subtle revelation that you already think you're perfect. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean perfect in like the world way. I mean like the spirit, like you already feel like you're fully realized into the image of Jesus, which is not possible, you know, until the end. And so I don't know. I just think that that's like, of course there's going to, if, if, if sanctification is a process, then of course there's going to be, and you're not there yet then at the finish line, then of course there's going to be gaps. Yeah. But I mean, y'all, y'all are saying you made some big decisions in the last year around a dream Alyssa had. So you still jumped, right? Yeah. And, and hope, yeah. and it seemed like the Lord confirmed it, which I think is, you know, you have to celebrate, you have to mark those wins, by the way. Like we're not, we're not alter people anymore. Like I, I can't stand that in our culture. Like, you know, yeah. every time something happened in the old Testament, that was a marking moment an altar got built. Mm -hmm. We build no altars. Like we don't mark any moments. We just move on. And it's just like, you know, you don't mark that moment, right? Mark. I that get moment. tattoos, by the way. I yeah, get tattoos. That's an altar. Yeah. There you go. It's like, it's like mark the moment so that you can go back to it so that you can tell your friends about it. If you have kids, you can tell your kids about it. Like that, that's what, and literally, by the way, like most of the stories in the Old Testament, when they talk about altars, that's literally what he says. Mm -hmm. He's like, these are to communicate not to you, but to your, the kids, kids, the kids, 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 the, all the generations. Mm -hmm. So, and the community. So what are the altars y'all are building? I mean, you got books out. What are the other ways you're doing that for generations to come? Yeah, I think for us, we're so high communicative that that's usually where it land, lands is just telling stories to the children. Like our kids, the children made them sound like we're in 1900s. The children. <laughs> children. Yes, and they, they wear those flowy, <laughs> Lori Angle's wild dresses and we're picking blueberries. <laughs> we tell our stories to the children by the fireplace. That's how I to be. No. It's not. No. Oh, yeah. Bought, I think that year we bought an olive tree. Yep, that year for that oh, specific moment, we bought an olive tree because yeah. I, I did... I did some fun research on olive trees and it was a really cool representation of that where mm -hmm. olive trees are one of the only trees in the world that are fire resistant. So most, most trees are actually like, they're like, you know, gasoline to fires. Like they like, they like suck mm -hmm. it in. Um, olive trees we all have like, them in our fireplaces. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and olive trees are fire resistant. Like they literally have a, something in the chemical composition of the leaves and whatever that they still of course can burn up, but they, they're known and to be famous, which is why, by the way, you go into, and they're, and they're also very uh, drought resistant. So that's why when you go to an Israel, you go to places like that, they're famous for the olives and the olive press and the olive trees. But yeah, you're also in just like a wasteland at some parts. You're like, this is like, like nothing else is growing here. And I feel like that, that tree represented that moment for us. So like stuff like that is a fun way to do it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, where when I was there the first time and they said, these trees are in the same place they were when Jesus he was here. And it's probably been five trees. And I was like, you mean to tell me <laughs> Jesus and I are seeing the same trees in the same spot. Yeah. I, Is that I, I'm still not okay. Like I was a mess right then, but I'm still not all right to be like five trees ago. He was here. Yes. Wow. That's why everybody's got to get to Israel. I'm like, Everyone needs to go to Israel. You have to well, see. I always talk about this. It's like, it's crazy how it's, it's a, it's an eastward journey, right? Where it's like, you know, I was born in Seattle, Washington, or we were born in Tacoma, Seattle, Washington, where it's like, 
You know, the stuff that you go to on the field trips that's really old is like 70 years old. Yeah, it's right. like seven. That's the field trip. Then you go to the East Coast and you're like, oh my goodness, the White House, the Capitol, yeah. you know, Boston, these big, these things are 200 years old. You go across the ocean. Oh my goodness, Oxford and all, thousand years old? Like a thousand years old? Then you go even farther, Middle East, and you start getting into like, yeah, you know, that cool. era, that ancient antiquity era, which is just insane. This. Like it's, it's the center of where a lot of that stuff came from. And then, you know, nerdy fact, you go even farther and then you get China, East Asia, and that place is like, man, that's just dinosaur culture. Yeah. <laughs> just like epic relics of incredible storytelling and connection to like civilizations forever. Jeff, I have never thought about that, that the that history gets older the farther east we go. I know. Is China more than Israel? Can, we, can we edit that out? Can we edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> Does it keep going east? Yeah. <laughs> it depends on, I guess, where you're counting from. I just from, thought right? Israel would have been the like. I would, I'm, I, no, we're not editing this out because both of us would like to ask our professor this story. Yeah, what? Well, I mean, <laughs> they, no, 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 no. Now you guys are making me nervous. I mean, just Asia is, is more east than the Middle East. Yes, it's, right? yes. Yeah, but is it? started in the Middle East. Oh, I see what you're saying. No, yeah, I think that, that, that I don't, I couldn't answer that. Someone has to write that in. But I think I've always read that they're both just very old. That's what, okay. that's what I, yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah, both... I, but then I'm like, so is Eden in China? That's, <laughs> what, I, that's what my brain started doing. <laughs> the way you guys' brain, that's not what I was is thinking. Is that why but... we can't find it? It's in China. Yeah. We're looking yeah. in Israel and it's in well, China. First of all, why I said edit it out is I thought you meant geographically. And I was like, okay, oh. no, you know that. <laughs> I yes. And I was like, yo, we got to, that's got to get pulled out. No, but Alyssa and I were on the same page. Yeah, I, was like, I was like, for the sake of our ministry, that's got to get pulled out. But then it made sense. Then it made sense. But yeah, no, I don't know. Someone have to write in about that. I feel like to my, to my recollection and reading though, I do feel like stuff goes a little bit farther over there. I don't know. At least historic, because historic record keeping is not the same as maybe where the something was from That's or whatever. Well, you know and what I mean? Israelites were like intense for so long. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. Jeff, forgive me for not remembering this. My favorite of your books that you've written that I've read a billion times with the pink and blue cover. Oh yeah, it's not what you think. Oh, uh, you talk about history. You talk about Israel on that one, don't you? Yeah, that one was probably my most significant, like kind of that, the, the, the elevator pitch for that book is trying to understand the way of Jesus and Christianity from a first century kind of Roman, Greco, Israel, Jewish context, like all those kind of like what was going on in all those worlds and, and all those societies and how that affects. That book will never leave my bookshelf, Jeff Bethke. I love it. So I'm sorry I couldn't pull the title that quickly, but I need you to know that I love that book so much. I, w I think I texted you from the airport when I was like, I can't stop reading this. <laughs> well, thank you. And that's actually one of my favorite I've written, that's too. And you, you probably wrestled with this journey, too, where it's one of my favorite I've written, but not the best-selling one. So you're like, that's a very strange strange journey. But I I, I love that book. Yes, so thank you. Still, okay, speaking of books, we both, both of you, I'm putting us a we. We're a collective we. Books this year, Take Back Your Family, Jeff is yours. Alyssa, Satisfied is yours. Satisfied is gorgeous, Alyssa. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's like a perfect hospitality book. Yes. Oh, thank you. It is. Talk about it, though. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, first one off on your own. It's been fun to watch. I am jealous, though, that she got the, like, I've wanted color interior. The four and color, right. And, you know, like, basically, I've been, I've been slaving away in these in this paperback world for a decade. <laughs> right. <laughs> We did the cover photo together, and I think we each took like at least a hundred shots. And so then we argued with we each argued other. over who took that one because we couldn't remember. They were so close to each yeah. other what we took. So it's either me or her took that cover photo. But which is Jeff's fun. dream is to have like a, that type of cover. So yes. it's like you can have the credit, babe. Yeah. yeah so we don't know who technically <laughs> took it, but if you read the back of that book, it says it says a uh, cover art Jeff Bethke. Yeah. Oh man, Alyssa, what's your what's your hope for this one? How is I mean your last one. The one for teen girls would have been the last one, right? Mm -hmm. Welcome yeah. for yeah. Yeah. yeah, and love the last yeah. one at the same time. Yeah. yeah, I mean this is this is like magnolia level beauty and tips, and it's just fantastic. What's your hope for it? Why was this the next right one? Well, I think I was in such a season. It was oh gosh, like three, four years ago now. Books take a while, my, by the way, guys. Yeah, it takes a really long time. My kids were our kids are three, five, and seven now, but they were even younger. I think I wasn't even pregnant with Lucy yet. And I just found myself like, wow, I like have gotten to this place where I feel like the Lord's fulfilled a lot of my dreams. Like we live in Maui, which I've always, that's a whole other story. I'm married, I have kids and, um, and yet I still like wake up in the morning and I feel kind of empty. Like it's just not all that I thought it would be and so wonderful, but also like, it's still hard. It's still, there's still challenges and all those things. And I would go on Instagram to, 
you know, after a hard day to find inspiration or encouragement and really to be satisfied, like to have some type of satisfaction, especially as a young mom, when it feels like you don't see the fruit right away. um, It's just nice to like have some type of satisfaction and come away feeling really empty. And so um, I really wanted to create a a book and I put pictures in it to um, just because I think as women, we're so, we love beauty. Um, I put recipes in it to like, I think meals are so important to um, provide opportunities to like serve your community, to get to know people, to have real like intimate relationships, which we really long for, but just they're like little essays. And so it's for, especially for the busy moms, um, it's kind of pick up, you can go people anywhere, maybe yeah. that aren't like, yeah, that you can just take it, read a little bit instead of swiping up to go on Instagram and coming away dissatisfied. You can open it, read a chapter and be like, and you just on Instagram, you only get the 10% of what's going on in their life, That's right. which is beautiful. But when you come from having a really hard day or you're in a really hard season or you're feeling um, these longings unmet, when you can sit down with a friend and say like, oh, you too, like this is how your heart is and this is how the Lord's meeting you. And so it's really my hope to um, really just pour into women especially and encourage them that even in the unmet longings, even in the really hard, challenging seasons and days, um, the Lord there's like the Lord is our portion and he is so good and he's more than enough. And he like satisfies our thirst. Um, And so just talking about all the areas where we look to find, to satisfy us. And um, even if they're really good, like friends or family, they still fall short in some ways. And so how the Lord really does meet every need. Yeah. So that's my hope is that women would, um, it was the, I think the best compliment I got was a girl I hadn't met said, I read your book and it was so good, but no offense. I just shut it and opened my Bible. And uh, I was like, that is like, that um, is what I want. No <laughs> offense taken. Now I would be offended, but Alyssa, no offense. No, like that you are like seeking the Lord, yes, that yes. you are realizing that like he will meet with you and he yeah. wants to meet with you and that you can come just as you are. I'm like, that is the greatest gift. So that's yeah. my hope. No, Alyssa's, Alyssa's so gifted too. It's such a good book. I would say it's too, it's for men. Like I, I read it. I absolutely loved it. I was absolutely encouraged. And I mean, I'm sure you wrestled with that same thing. I get so annoyed by like a Christian living book somehow being pigeonholed to a woman's book just because now, of course, it's going to be the main audience, right? Just, you know, who you're talking to. And it the infuriates like that, me, to be honest. I hate it so much. <laughs> it infuriates me. <laughs> it makes no sense. It just so like, makes no sense. So that, that bothers me. I would say men listening, read the book. It's a phenomenal book. Um, it is a great gift book for if you want to give it to someone else you know. Um, but yeah, because you even tried to, you said women love beauty. I, I You can't you judge that. I love beauty. I, I mean, look who I married. Yeah. Oh, oh, nailed it. Right nailed there. it. Right there. As he pushes me out of the screen. Got the point right there. <laughs>Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Mercy Project. We've been talking about different forms of trafficking and how serious they are this month. And in Ghana, for example, as you've heard us say, thousands of kids are trapped in labor trafficking in the fishing trade for 12 long hours a day. It's because their families can't afford to care for them. And so they've been sold to a fisherman in hopes that the child could live another day. Sadly, many of the fishermen were once trafficked children themselves. Our partner, Mercy Projects, has taken a creative approach to addressing the issue of child trafficking and with amazing results. Their innovative strategy is forming partnerships with the villages and with the fishermen to literally teach them a better way to fish that makes them more money and replaces the need for child labor. This allows the children to be released and reunited with their families. And over the last decade, more than 200 children have gone home to live with their families. Mercy Projects is creating generational transformation in Ghana, which I think is incredible. Incredible. At the beginning of December, there were 50 formerly trafficked children needing a sponsor. And as a community, we've been chipping away at that number. I'm hoping that we hear any day from Mercy Project that the need has been covered. But there's currently still a chance to help, and that's where you come in. For $45 a month, you can empower a formerly trafficked child to receive education and experience freedom. And this month, Mercy Project will randomly select a new child sponsor to travel to Ghana with their team in 2022, all expenses paid. Meet your sponsored child and their family, see the project firsthand, and experience the beauty of Ghana. Let's help all 50 of these kids start 2022 with hope. Simply text, that sounds fun, to 74121 to help today. Imagine how much this gift will transform communities for good. Text, that sounds fun, to 74121, or visit mercyproject.net slash that sounds fun. 
Hey y'all, my name's Ann Wilson and my new Christmas album is called I Still Believe in Christmas. And my favorite Christmas song is Oh Holy Night. I love um, just how it captures the night of Jesus being born and the beauty of it. And it's just always been a favorite of mine. And I just think it's a really beautiful and well-written Christmas song. And now back to finish up our conversation with the Bethkeys. Jeff, talk about Take Back Your Family. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, first of all, the fact that we did two books in one year. Yeah. We'll never do that again. So that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we didn't, I don't think we calculated that as well as we thought. We were like, yeah, we can do it. No, don't do well, it. Well, and some things happened where it just got even closer than it was Cra- Yes. Be. Yeah. So you know the Suez Canal stuff? Remember all that where the, the boat turns out? Alyssa's book was like <gasps> in there. No. Yeah. yeah. So to, yeah. Well, I mean, delayed her, she wasn't in history. that actual turned one, but she was a couple ships back. So it got, they had to literally like, with only a couple weeks before launch date, had to say, okay, we're, your book's coming out two months later, which is kind of crazy. And so that was a whole surreal thing. And then but, yours got pushed up. Yeah, and then mine got pushed up because they wanted to make it more of like, at the last minute, wanted to make it more of a, back a, a back to school book. Mm-hmm. And so, because I usually get released in October. So yeah, but I, I love that book. I mean, you know, it, it's very much at the heart of what I had talked about even a couple of last times on the podcast where, you know, our big season of what we feel the Lord has called us to is to try to equip and encourage and communicate and teach people that God's vision for family is so much bigger than they think. It's so much more, uh, they have the opportunity to flourish there more than they think. Um, and that most of the breakdowns that happens in most people's families is actually because they're so submersed in a Western model that is actually modern, new, and weird to pretty much anyone before 1900. Not religious, non like none, anyone, like, you know, any other culture. And yeah. so, um, and that it's so much, and, and that it's, and that the scriptural vision of family is so much, more welcoming to all life stages of uh, people in the church, more than like the Christian vision of like the kind of two mom, dad, two kids, you know, and if you're like single or something, then you feel like on the outside of that. And what I mean by that is like the scriptural vision for family is multi-generational. It's this, mm-hmm. it's this long legacy oriented team where how do you know you're a part of a family in the scriptures? Because you have the same last name, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's anyone. That's a single person, a married person, a young person, an old person. Like it's like this web and this network of relationships that's actually the scriptural vision that's very difficult for us to attain right now, given the kind of the water we're swimming in. But to know that and then at least try to swim towards it um, is kind of what that book talks about. Yeah, and, it's kind of, and the, the 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 trite, cuter way I say is like it's kind of like um, the thesis of the book is apt, opting out of the Western family experiment and kind of saying yes to God's vision for a multi generational family team on mission. So yeah. that's basically what it is. I mean, I wanted y'all to describe both of them because if we're talking about altars that you're leaving your children, you are saying a lot about 2020 and 2021 in the two books you released in 2021 as a family. Yes. Yeah, it was it was a fascinating year for us, years, because obviously those books, both of those books were in the works before all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then to get into a moment where, you know, people really had to look at their own heart, people had to slow down enough to assess the moment, their heart, their contentment level, the internet, all these different things. Then I think Alyssa's steps into that. And then the level at which it made people recon, I actually got stoked on it because I think it made my book a little easier and more fun where my, my the, the, the stuff in my book is a very, like, <clears throat> like most of my books, I go pretty like out of the box. So it's a very, it's a very, very different idea of family. Like it's not your, it's not, it's not the usual, like, you know, <clears throat> 1980s Christian, you know, like, so um, I was a little nervous about that. But what's fascinating is the, the, the moment actually led to so many families being very like, oh, yeah, kind of like, oh, I can, you know, we can just kind of like, you know, just families got way riskier is maybe what I'm trying yeah. to say. It's like, oh, we can, we need to, like, if, if, if stuff can change that quickly, then we need to do what we want to do. We need to go pursue that dream or do that thing. And so I think that was a fun moment for the book to collide with. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I, I can't kind of, shake as a person who doesn't have kids yet, not married yet, as y'all know, I also have to get to leave a legacy all the time. Like I'm, I'm getting to build things that other people, what's that line from the Bible that is also quoted in Hamilton, right? Where you don't just want to sit under your own vine and your own tree. Like to what end? I want to sit under my, I don't want to sit under my own vine. I want to work until I'm done so that other people have got what they need, right? So that they'll work for the, you know, and so hearing y'all thinking through the building the altars and releasing these, I'm like, man, that's none of that's an accident. None of that's an accident. Well, one thing I'll say to that too, is that just because you get me fired up right there is everyone is a mother and a father. Mm-hmm. Everyone is a mother and a father. And the church needs more mothers. The church needs more fathers. There is an aspect at which 
one way that can play out is through biological children, but that is not the only way it can play yeah. out. The, the church has been built on for 2000 years, the mothers and fathers of the church. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them have not looked like how we think the 1950s, leave it to Beaver, Pleasantville family, American, you know, group looks. Yeah. And that to me, that to me, yeah, the saints, you know, it just, it fires me up that I think that's the church needs more mothers and more fathers. And all of us are, and I think all of us can lean into that now. Being a mother and father means you have children at some level. That, and essentially, this is the heart of discipleship, right? Yeah. That you are that you are using your gifts, your wiring, your talents, your treasures, your life to leave a legacy. Mm -hmm. Who who are you building that tree for, and who's going to sit underneath that tree? That's what it means to mother and father. Yeah, Jenny Allen and I argue about this publicly a lot about digital discipleship versus real life discipleship. Yes, we literally yes. land on the exact same spot. We just come at it from two different places. But one of the things we're doing here in 2022 is we've really outlined a year of digital discipleship, of three different big, big kind of tent poles in our year where we're going to disciple the people digitally. Talk to our friends listening about how do you engage in digital discipleship and in real life discipleship? Why do we need both? If you think we do. Me and John no. Mark just had an argument about this about two weeks ago for about three well, hours. And this is like a family discussion we've been having yeah. last month. So Yeah, family discussion. And also like, yeah, there's, it, it, it can easily go to like preference and personality, which I think is, you know, like a John Mark or me or you and a Jenny, I can already see the, the easy differences, but, but that's the fun part about that sh the sharpening, too. the sharpening. Yeah. I am not brave so enough to disagree with John Mark Comer. I'm, I, I, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> so good for you. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I it was a, the only one. <laughs> no, it was a, I, I lost, but it was a valiant effort. Okay. Well done you. Yeah. So where'd y'all land? I believe in it. I believe in digital. I believe in that. I, you know, do I think it has crap? Yes. Do I think in general, it's actually a net negative. I even would say yes to that. I think in general, the internet is a bad force and influence, but that's net negative, not gross. I think the gross is that there's actually, and I'm talking like in financial margin, no, that, that um, I'm not calling the internet gross, that it, um, that man, there's a lot of, that's, here's my thing. Where are the hearts and eyeballs and minds of basically everyone living today? They're yeah, on the internet. Right. They're on the internet. So if you want to be all high and lofty and say that, you know, like, oh, they, no, there's no attention spans there. It's not real discipleship. Well, then you can go ahead while a whole generation just basically just says, hey, how's it going, Satan? You know, or the Satan figure in Hebrew is the true name. But, you know, it's like, that's just basically what you're doing. Just, hey, go ahead and follow that guy. You know, go follow the accuser. And for me, it's just like, I'm not okay with that. So it feels like I want to put a foot in the sand and say, hey, now you need both. And I think that's why I want Alyssa to answer the next part, the local part, because we do believe in both. I think you have to make sure you don't only do one because it becomes deformed, like we talked about earlier with denominations, it becomes deformed if you're only local or if you're only um, digital at some level. Like your life as a representation in your life in 2021 is lived out online and in your real world. It should be. So that's what I would say. I mean, the one last thing is I'm, and, and I care about this so much. I always try to think of little fun projects. Most of our stuff is kind of these digital oriented ways of discipleship. Bible builds is a Lego Bible curriculum online because I want to teach kids and families the Bible really deeply <clears throat> and really in a holistic way. And then this one idea I'm, I'm messing with, maybe I'm too old for is I'm, I'm, I'm messing with this idea of kind of almost doing like a little like theology school on TikTok where I'm messing with this. Like, can I can I do some type of, you know, explain the books of the Bible in 60 seconds, take, take hot, you know, particular question, because there's just like, there's a malnourishment totally. in the next generation of biblical and theological mm -hmm. literacy. Mm -hmm. And we can say, well, some people just aren't wired that way. But at the end of the day, I think so goes the scholar, like where the scholars go, so goes the generation. Meaning like we rise and fall. People don't realize this. No one wants to talk about this, but we don't realize that like the fact that we can even read the scripture in English is because of some smart people who decided to pour their life out. And to embrace the technology of the next exactly. generation. And embrace the cutting edge, you know, print, exactly. Printing press and, you know, text and the Dead Sea, like all these things. And I just think I, I love that. I get fired up. But what would you say about the local parks? Just as important. And like you said, the conversation mm -hmm. we're kind of having with mm -hmm. of how do we make sure we do both? Man, I don't have like a, a well thought out answer to this. I just think it's a wrestle. It's a wrestle in attention in the era we're living in because a lot of our lives is online, but we live in a physical place. Mm. And so and I think it can be hard because sometimes, or maybe for a lot of people, the physical place may not, you may be really lonely. You may not have a community. You may not have mm -hmm. a church that you totally align with. You may not totally agree with leadership. And so I actually what? think- I've never heard of those things. So I actually think it's more, sometimes it's more difficult to be part of your local, like to be discipled where you I don't live. think sometimes, I think always. I think, yeah, okay, always. Always oh, I think it's absolutely life, harder. And so yeah. I think it is- um, a lot easier to mm -hmm. then go online. So mm -hmm. I think online, it's like, do that, be fed. There, 
like what a gift that um, you get to like listen to the greatest teachers yeah, and thinkers and scholars yeah. of our day mm-hmm. and be discipled by the Annie Downs and the John Mark Comers and the Jeff Becky's. Like oh, what thanks, what a gift that is. Mm-hmm. Like you should go there and those like we as thinkers and teachers should be in that platform. Yeah. But then you have to be part of your local community. Like, and it's going to be messy, but like, that's what the church is. Mm-hmm. And I, we were just talking to mentors of ours a couple nights ago. And one thing you well, can't do is don't hold your pastor to the standard yes. of a John Tyson They're not or a John Mark Comer. Like, I don't think we realize there's a crisis at which we're yeah. crushing thousands to tens of thousands of American church mm-hmm. pastors mm-hmm. because they need to be someone who is world-class and that's just not how it works. Yeah. Continue and we're getting, mentors. we're getting a 30 minute sermon that they've worked on and and with our local pastors we're living seven days with them yes yes and And we are getting pastored in so many ways by our local people that john mark cannot do that john cannot do unless we are at church of the city new york yes Yes. exactly for john tyson yeah exactly and i think even in that like i've learned so much lately about how um, as great as those thinkers are, like they have their context, like they're talking to their church in Portland or their church in New York and where we live, it's just different. And so we can still take all that, but like, there's some, there's something here for us to learn. And so all that to say, I think in your local community, I think it really is like an act of obedience, you know, mm-hmm. like, I think just like what you're saying about, we all have a contribution to make. So asking like, what's my contribution? Why am I here? The Lord, there's that verse in Acts of like, he chooses the times and places and borders of where you're going to live. So there's a reason why you live where you live with the people you live with and how can you contribute and how can you learn? And then like, it really comes down to just obeying. Like Mm. it may be like people you may not be totally like-minded with, or um, it may be just really messy, but how can you just be faithful? Because I think there is something about being rooted somewhere, yeah. having like doing life with people, having them know your ins and outs, um, bringing a fa- like a meal to a family. The one thing, because I, I just I basically preach the gospel on how the internet is should be used and is amazing. I know saying that's good news. The one thing that it just inherently cannot do yeah. is it's not embodied. Yeah. We we again we don't have a theology of embodiment that mm-hmm. literally our faith. Like if, if God believed in like kind of the digital only model, he would have sat in heaven and like thrown a Bible down as a football, right? That that's the disembodied, that, that, yeah. that's the disembodied version of the word. Now, do we need the disembodied quote unquote at something? Yes, but we also need the uppercase word, which is the embodiment, right? That's all John 1 is. It's literally saying like the word embodied itself. And so our entire theology, our entire way of living should be a, a living of embodiment. Mm-hmm. We should try to embody body take take values and principles somewhere in your very body um and i think that's just something that we've kind of lost in our more yeah, western I, kind of mind centric uh because mm-hmm. uh, uh, i think the mind connects to the did that's why it's like we're yeah. so just like if you think it it must be right mm-hmm. rather than, no you have to live it you have to own yeah. it you have to be it you have to show up mm-hmm. that's why you look at like the amish community the jewish community some of these other communities that are a little bit more i think at least rooted in holistic uh, holistic practices you know you see jewish <clears throat> excuse me men when they pray, they'll, a lot of them, especially the Orthodox, will rock back and forth. And you talk to them about that. And most of them will say, <clears throat> it's a small sign of just embodying the prayer. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you literally, like they engage their five senses with their faith. And that's an actual act of embodiment. But mm-hmm. what were you going to say? Mm-hmm. I think you can't replace the like crying on your girlfriend's couch and having her like hug you and pray for you. Or, yes. you know, like. Amen to that. But I think those yeah. embodiment mo- or like yes. looking eye to eye to yeah. a mentor and being like, this is the messy right now. Confessing and like her, sin. Confessing sin oh, or like yeah. the, a couple of weeks Like I think ago. that's actually kind of weird to do online. Like that should yeah. be the only. You know I, I mean? did like, it on Marco Polo this morning only because I had literally gossiped and had to open it back up and go. Well, I, think, I don't mean that, that technically is online, but I meant like, you know, to like a more the one way audience yes. platform. Yes, yes, I yes. think that's it, like people who know you, like that's just a form of communication with an embodied person, you know? Or like the couple weeks, last week I went over to my friend's house and we did inner healing prayer together. And it's mm-hmm. just like this beautiful thing that you can't do online. Yeah. It's like being together physically. There is something about it that um, I think we need to step into more. Like we're holistic people. We're not separated. The yep. sac- you know, sacred and secular aren't separated. Mm-hmm. We're all one being. And so, yeah. yeah. 
That's right. I mean, but Jeff, I knew where you and I would stand in this conversation. Yeah. So I was. Yeah, I'll, I'll go to bat for that one all day. Me too. And I, you know, like, me and Jenny guys. will fight about it. You and me, you, John Mark, me, Jenny, we should all just get in a boxing ring. We each get a corner. No, we should. I feel like I, I got this vision in my head of almost like family feud. So like they're on one side, we'll be on one side <laughs> and we'll, we'll actually do like a classic debate on it. That'd be fun. That's right. I think it'd be really Jenny, fun. If you're watching, we'll do it at If Gathering. Do That's it at right. If Gathering. <laughs> That's Sorry, right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, okay, you guys, for all the things y'all are making, all the things you're doing, where can we go and see it all online? The the one hub, jeffandalyssa.com. So, you know, my name is Jeff, J-E-F-F, and then Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A.com. And then I always tell people our Instagram. So I'm, I'm probably most active there than anywhere else. Alyssa is basically offline, doesn't exist on the internet. You'll see her stuff. And she Hopefully hasn't posted in like, she hasn't posted in like a year, but if you January like to check it out. Here we yes. go. She's but I'll our site or Instagram. Okay, yeah. perfect. Um, hey, a question we're asking everybody. I've been asking everybody all year. So our friends listening are hearing this all over the shows, but um, your favorite Christmas song. What's your favorite Christmas song? So first of all, when you even say favorite song, I would say favorite Christmas musician is what oh. I jump to. And to me, that's Kenny G all day. Kenny G all day. Like, I mean, what? we're, we're talking, we're talking to this day. No, we're talking like that is on for 60 to 70 days, every single day, morning, lunch, and night from October. You're telling me your whole Christmas is saxophone based? Like, oh, yes. sax all day. Like, it's just so, oh, it's the sexy sax right there that Kenny G just brings the key. So that's him, first of all. Shot. And then on his, on his Millennium album he has, which came out like 20 years ago, he did a really fun rendition of, what do you, what do you how do you say that? Like, it's like Auld Lang Sen or whatever, yeah. you know that one? Oh yeah, the New Year's song. Really cool, yes, but he does a really cool version of that where he's, for the Millennium, he spliced uh, sound bites from the entire hundred years. So it's kind of like a history class in that song. So go look it up. It's a very fun thing. But that's I, very cool. That's my jam and I, can, I have it memorized and I love Kenny G. Does he know you love him? I need to tell him. I, I need to tell like him. But that man grew up though, man. That, that man's on Kanye's last album. That man wasn't oh, as being. Yeah. yeah. I feel I like we're like four text messages from Kenny G. <laughs> well, then I'm trying to, well, I mean, I literally am obsessed and he's from where I'm from. He also got, he also got rejected from the University of Washington, which is the more premier uh, music department. So he went to like a division two music department and school back in college. And then obviously he blew up. So I think UW is like, man, what do we do with our lives? But, right. Yeah. Okay. Alyssa, do you have an equally as unbelievable answer? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I actually, I can't think of my favorite one, but I will say our family's favorite one is come all you faithful. So yeah. when Kinsley, our seven year old, yes, was too much right now. like two, she became obsessed with Christmas yes. and like Christmas PJs all year long. There was one month where she didn't, she only wore her Christmas PJs all day. Yep. And then during bedtime, <laughs> she like got this little um, Christmas carol packet and she would make us sing five different Christmas carols. And finally, like by the time we had our second and third child, we're like, okay, we need to choose one. <laughs> and so every night it's come all you faithful to all three of our children. Be bedtime. So it's the bedtime, bedtime song that we have sang mm -hmm. for five mm -hmm. years. Isn't yeah. that hilarious? So yes. I feel like every time it comes on, we're like, this is our song. Yeah. So. Well, it's funny. I don't even, until, until this interview, I didn't realize how weird that is. Just because it was like, oh, the kids yeah. requested we moved. Like we have sang They're a like Christmas song <laughs> for bedtime <laughs> for five years. I just, I just every realized night. that. Lucy, every, every night. night. And Lucy now will be like, mom, sing the mermaid version. So I'll have to throw in mermaid <laughs> with there. Like, come That's on, That's just a three-year-old's brain. Yes, or, exactly. You know, like, <laughs> it gets how weird. many you have to stanzas spice it a bit do y'all sing? Every day. All of the, well, all the words? Or no, just one I do like the... 20-second version. Yeah, yeah. We just do, like, the, the yeah. chorus. Yeah, because five years ago we did the whole thing, but five years in, it's, yeah. come, all you faithful, well, joyful, adore him, we're done. And yeah. that's actually what Jeff does. <laughs> I, I have to sing it out a little more. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of, I start mumbling. I come, yeah. all you faithful. I start mumbling, huh, for he alone is worthy, he alone is worthy, he alone is worthy. We love you. It. We love you. Good night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've never had a kid, but I love when you said Kinsley used to make us. I'm like, that's, I don't know that that's how that works, but I guess it does. She makes us <laughs> sing exactly. five songs. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird part of it too. That we did, we just kind of like signed it. We just, yes, sure. And then that was back before you wrote a parenting book. Now you're like, listen, now, exactly. now I'm exactly. ready. Um, is there anything we didn't talk about that y'all want to make sure we talk about? No, this was so fun. No, we so love, fun. we love talking with you. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I love y'all. I'm so thankful we're friends. Um, the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. A good book and a smoked old fashioned that I made myself. Now, non-alcoholic if you're a Baptist, but and the fire. You do a fire every night. Yes, I I, I sit outside. No, I don't do a smoked old fashioned every night. I'm not. <laughs> no. I'm like a Sabbath only drinker at some level. I mean, I'll have like a drink on Sabbath, but um, but but yeah, I go out and sit out night at a fire by myself, or if there's people here, they're out there with me. But I probably do a fire every single night. It's not raining. What are you reading right now? 
I just yeah, that, yeah, I just finished. <clears throat> what's it, uh, I think it's called Four Thousand Weeks. <gasps> you are the second person to say that this week. Seriously? Yes. I've really loved it. It's it's because I mean I've read so many <clears throat> excuse me books on rest and Sabbath and time and productivity that I started getting a little tapped out. But this one Res recommended too, and for exactly the anti reason of that, they're like mm. they're like it's literally a book written. Like the the first chapter is the guy's explaining that same thing. He's like, I'm so tapped out on productivity and trying to get better at my to-do list and time. There's got to be a way to do it that's not like, that's just normal. And so I think that's the subtitle. It's like time management for mere mortals or something. Yes. And yes. it's really good. It's really good. Okay. Alyssa, what sounds fun to you? Reading and then also like being in a room with a bunch of friends and laughing really hard. Mm. What are you reading right now? Are you reading something we need to read? Um, I'm just finishing up The Pastor by Eugene Peterson. I'm on a Eugene Peterson book, so I'm just his like autobiography. all his stuff. So yeah. I did that a couple of years ago. I read Madeline LaIngle's library. It's just so fun. Jump on, pick, pick an author who's got a handful of them and spend a year getting to know that author. I love I'm 100% it. on that team. If you find someone you like, read the, read the, the canon, read the entire thing. Well, I feel like I wrote his, uh, I read his autobiography and then I was like, I want to no, know. No, you read, no, you no, read his biography, biography and then you want no. to read one. Yes. You read Burning in My Bones first, okay, yes. which would be a biography. Even though he didn't write it. That's a biography. Autobiography is when oh, the auto, right, like, okay. you know, so you read the biography. <laughs> okay. Then, then I read the autobiography it. and now I'm reading his works. So. Which is, that's a fascinating thing to read is the biography and the autobiography back to back. Like she yeah. read them. So like that's a fun kind of someone else's version and his version. It's been fun. Yeah. P.S. I don't ever want anyone to write a biography because every one of my books is an autobiography. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah. That's our actual genre. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so true. It's like there's nothing left to write about. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't do my journals. I have extracted journals. every last ounce. I've extracted every last ounce and story and moment and meaning from the last two years every time book comes out. I have told you everything I was actually willing to tell you. So if it is in the book, it's because I don't want it in the book. Exactly. So I don't want someone else to do it either. That's right. Um, All right. Love you guys. Merry Christmas. Thanks for doing this. Merry Christmas. Oh, you guys, don't you love them? I just think the world of them. Hey, be sure to pick up a copy of Satisfied and Take Back Your Family. Go follow them for all kinds of wise and helpful content so you can tell them thanks for being on the show. If you need anything else to read on Embarrassingly Easy to Find, Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me, that's how you can find me. I think that's it for me today on this Saturday, my friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me, I'm smiling ear to ear because what sounds fun to me is telling you who's going to be on the show tomorrow. So y'all have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow for a special Sunday episode, day 11 of the 12 days of Christmas with someone who has impacted my 2021 in some really profound ways. Y'all, tomorrow we get to talk to Father Mike Schmitz. Tomorrow, Father Mike is here. Oh my gosh, you guys. We'll see you back here tomorrow. This is Rachel Myers and Amanda Bible Williams of She Reads Truth. My favorite Christmas song is the Christmas song (laughs) by Russ Taft. Just trust me. Look it up. And I love, love, love forever Silver Bells, but specifically by Harry Connick Jr. It takes a while to lead up to it, but it is worth it. Such a good song. 